2: And we're back with another episode of the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. We're well and truly back into the swing of things after last week. We came back after international break and there's plenty to talk about. It was a good weekend of Premier League action. My first note here at the minutes of the meeting uh, is pool good, arse bad. Has that changed in any way since uh, last night's events? Uh, we're recording this on the Wednesday to be out on the Thursday. We were supposed to record it yesterday before the European ties. That didn't quite happen. Um, but should we discuss Liverpool-Real Madrid, even if it wasn't a Premier League game?
3: They were very, very bad. No one showed up. He decided to start Nabi Kaita, who is a bald fraud. Uh, Trent was smelly. Alisson was smelly. Nat Phillips was smelly. Mane was smelly. Salah was smelly. Firmino came on and he was shite. He came on probably way too late in the game. Uh, yeah, just offered absolutely zero. It wasn't enjoyable to watch whatsoever. Like, Vinicius is a man who only exists in FIFA and he scored twice. So, it's not good. Um,
1: for me, it was mostly disappointing because the defendant wasn't great on the first goal, but I think that was more down to it was just a very, very good ball from Tony Kroos. Um, But the second goal was bad from Trent. And the third goal, Allison should have saved it. And the defender should have closed down Vinicius quicker as well. Uh, I just I, I, Because because of how well we played against Arsenal the weekend, and we've won two games in a row now in the Premier League, and it looked like we'd kind of gotten over that, that slump of where we couldn't break down teams where we were just passing around very slowly and couldn't break down teams that couldn't handle the press it looked like we'd kind of gotten over that and obviously Real Madrid are different to Arsenal and Wolves but I thought we'd kind of gotten a bit of our confidence back but apparently not so it was just mostly disappointing and I wasn't particularly angry about it or anything it was it was just pretty much the result it was pretty much the same performance you had against the likes of Barney and Brighton at Anfield where we just couldn't break them down
0: Yeah, it's really absurd that he threw Kite in this midfield after being out for so so long. Like you're going to be out of your depth being thrown into a game of this magnitude. Like, and we even had the godsend of like Varane and Ramos being out, and it's we still couldn't do anything. Salah was fine. I think you're being a bit too harsh on Salah. Like he did produce our only shot on target in the ninety, which says an awful lot. Mane was absolutely abysmal it's oh there was there was a lot of bad things with that performance but do you know what i still think we could do something in the second leg am i mental you tell me
2: well we can certainly talk about that later on the podcast when we're talking about the european ties but maybe my notion of pool good uh, might be slightly uh, out of date already uh, that was only a couple days ago but uh, the other point is Arsenal bad, and that's definitely not out of date. I think that very much stands, doesn't it? They're they're just they're a bona fide mid table team. Like that's it. Like they've got a couple good players. They've got the name of Arsenal, but that's it. Like they create absolutely nothing. Um, they they've been looking a bit better recently, but it, it just feels like one of these results is always round the corner, doesn't it? One of
3: these performances, more so. Sure, I think it, it spoke for itself when it was nil and he brought on El Nenny. Like he was holding on for a draw from early on in the second half, and then that came crumbling down when the old goal got the the bullet header from a lovely Trent cross. But yeah, Arsenal—they are a hopeless team. They have was it they Slavia Prague in the latest round of the Europa League. And that's probably the best round, the best chance for them of getting any sort of European football. They're really struggling for form in the Premier League. Yeah, obviously, if they win the Europa League, to get Champions League football. And like, I'd I'd find it very hard for them to sign anyone to really improve the squad unless they get Champions League football, because no one's going to want to, no big name is going to want to sign for a team that's not
0: playing any sort of European football at all. So. Yeah, the makeup of that squad is really weird, isn't it? Like, you couldn't uh fall to Bamian for years. He's carried this team on his back, getting goals galore. And now he's out on the left. And I was looking at Hugh Izzy, and he was like, I don't care about these stats merchants. It's not about the stats in the game. He looks like an absolute fool, and he's not on top. Like, he's the top-in merchant. And that's his bread and butter. And this season could be the end of Obama Who, as we know. Who, like, who is he? Do you know? Uh, and Lac has had a bit of a resurgence, but it's still Lacazette. it? Likes and you're you're relying on the likes of Saka, who eventually are inevitably going to go hot and cold, but he's still a huge prospect. So, the like the squad is a disaster; it doesn't fill you with any confidence.
1: Yang I mean, was looking like Polish, um, both by his hairstyle and his footballing ability at the weekend. In fairness to him, um, Arsenal. It's it's a, we just have the same conversation about Arsenal, like pretty much every two weeks. It's like, yeah, they they had a few games where they had where they played well but but then they play against a team against liverpool albeit haven't been in great form but they got a bit more quality as easy to find out the the faults on that arsenal side
2: what are your thoughts on gary neville's opinions that he thinks there's it's like a mafia between the players that the the really like there's like clicks in the squad and they don't support Arteta at all. It was pretty scathing, and to be honest, I thought it was a little bit over the top from from Neville.
3: It's definitely like that with a lot of the big teams. Like it, it used to be in the day that it was like if you think when Ferguson was managing, there wouldn't have been oh, the players are against him. It's Ferguson be against the players, but now it's all these players are forming groups to get the managers out. It's like Chelsea squads, Spurs are more like that with Pochettino, and they're kind of getting like that with. Mourinho as well. Yeah, you could see Arsenal. Like they they, I don't know what they need, but they need something. Like if we were able to fix Arsenal, we wouldn't be doing a podcast. We'd be the football and directors at Arsenal. But we're not, and we're just a couple of boys chatting brown about the football. So what do we know at the end of the day?
1: I think the worst case of that was Leicester, the Leicester squad trying to get rid of Ranieri. Fair enough they were a bit shit that season, but trying to get rid of Ranieri and they got on Craig Shakespeare and said, it was never going to work out. Especially the likes of, uh, I think it was Casper Schmeichel who led that, um that click to try and get rid of him. But, but there's definitely that aspect aspect within a number of Premier League squads, like down through the years, where once, once the players turn on the manager, you can't really, it takes a lot for it to turn around. And I think that's, the one thing about Liverpool is like I don't think the players would ever turn on Klopp because Klopp is so well liked in that squad. Um it's like that with a number of teams. I, I honestly, same honestly I'd say with United I I don't think I could see that happening with Ole and United because I think by and large most the United players quite like Ole and like he's having a good enough season. Um I think I said during the week it's probably been the best season since Fergie left, which is wrong. I forgot about the season. Um they won the Europa League League Cup and finished second to City. We're
2: definitely playing better football than then though.
1: Yeah. And like that, you're probably gonna finish second. At worst you're gonna finish third. Um so I think it really sometimes it's about clicks and sometimes maybe it's the manager's fault that clicks for him. Like I definitely think when Mourinho was at United it was his fault players like Pogba not turned against him. Because he was very... Everybody knows Mourinho was probably the most antagonistic manager out there. The Chelsea squad turned on him. The United squad turned on him. And it looks like the Spurs squad was turning on him. Um, so I think if clicks like that do for one, for the most part, there has to be some form of blame on the managers. And one on Pochettino was weird because I gathered he was quite like by squad. Um, Who knows what happens? But I... It, it's a hard one to get your head around sometimes
0: yeah i think there is a bit of a strange culture at arsenal especially from the wenger days they have a bit of an aura around them like arteta hasn't come in with a whole pile of experience and he's come from a culture at city which is unlike any other culture in the league like it's a culture of winning 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 and it's easy to keep players and personalities on side when you're winning i think klopp is a good example of that the players aren't really going to turn him i think all it it could be in danger like players like bruno fernandez like he could easily form clicks with other players and oust the manager like ole um other people like brendan Rodgers. like they're still the same sort of people like you're saying that for that did that coup in the leicester squad um and he's keeping them on side simply because he's winning and he's a man who doesn't believe in shouting at his players in the touchline it's different management styles and i don't think some management styles survive in the modern era at least. The player power as to say which is a bit unfortunate but yeah maybe Gary Neville is overstated a bit but who knows
2: I think it was I'm not sure who it was uh, one of his there said it's hard to see where they it turns around for Arsenal uh, but I thought Mixer made a good point about the Europa League I think the Europa League is absolutely massive if they can win that which is far easier said than done but like the remaining teams generally aren't brilliant if they could win the Europa League qualify for the Champions League then that might actually be an out to get a couple of decent players in and start to slowly but surely improve that squad. Um, without Champions League, it seems impossible that they could do that unless they just get either very lucky with their recruitment or they do unbelievable scouting and they unearth a couple of gems, but obviously that's unlikely. So yeah, the Europa League, this episode is going to be largely focused around the European competitions and who's going to win it, but the Europa League is massive for Arsenal possibly more so than any other club
3: i think this might be a tad bit over dramatic but i think the only positions that arsenal have unlocked is left back kieran tierney then they have a good holding midfielder in thomas Pardy and then a right winger in saka and then i think they need someone for every other position leno's not a good goalkeeper he's had a lot of mistakes this season the rest of the back line is tragic. Like their midfield is Sabayos and Xhaka, and they are not good. And then Laka, like he's grand, but he's not what Arsenal need. And then Aubameyang is fucking shit. Like with well,
0: this season, anyways, he's trying to be Travis Scott, but he's yeah, he, a bum. Even Terry makes her like he he spends more time in the injury room than anywhere else. He's out for a month now again. Like yeah. you know, finished footballer. I
1: think. In terms of how you turn it around, I think the Champions League would be a huge one if they could get it next year by winning the Europa League, because like that, it would buy it would probably buy Arteta more time. I don't think he will get sacked at the end of the season, but if there was any thoughts he might do, it'll certainly buy him more time uh, next season. And it was like it's because you need if you want to build a squad, you need you need time to build up the players. Because like Klopp came into that Liverpool squad, and that Liverpool squad was pretty dark. We didn't have many good players when he joined. Um, I think the players that start now, the only one he didn't sign was Firmino, maybe. Um, so it's like that. Like he Arteta's brought in Tierney, he's brought in party, and he's given Saka a chance. And it's like that maybe next season, if they're in a Champions League, they can bring in one or two they can bring in a better centre-half and they could bring in a set better centre-midfielder. And maybe if they can finish top six again next season and be in the Europa League, they can bring in another good player. It's just, in order to build a good squad, you need a manager to be in there for a long time. And I don't know whether that'll happen or not with Arteta, but that's the only way I can see them turning around, is to just hold on to the good players they have there now and build on, build on the players that aren't good.
2: Yeah, with Arsenal, like, winning the Euro- Europa League, it's very doable. They've got Slavia, Prague in this round. If they get past that, it'll be Daimou, Zagreb or Villarreal. And if they get past that, um, it'll be one of United, Granada, Ajax or Roma. So just five big performances, or not even, you know, if you win one of the legs, 3-0, it should be grand. So a couple of big performances, and that could be them, Um, you know... Out of the woods, not looking back, like this is a real sliding door moment for for Arsenal in the Europa League. And, um, yeah, remains to be seen, it's going to be an interesting. Uh, finish the Europa League campaign. But speaking of poor player relations, uh, after West Brom rocked up at the bridge, Allardyce and the boys, and absolutely humiliated Chelsea, uh, Rudiger and Kepa, Arisa Balaga got in a bit of a scrap the training ground apparently it started neither of them played uh, in the game on saturday it started there they said one or two things to each other then in training the next day uh rudiger went in with a, a rough challenge on keppa and um yeah everything went down apparently rudiger showed keppa who's boss apparently uh, keba did not win that fight which is maybe not a massive surprise uh, but i uh, supposedly they've apologized and made up now but you know, it's interesting to see, to know what could have happened there, to be honest. Um, but maybe we should focus more so on the actual game. Thiago Silva getting sent off fairly early on. And West Brom playing some absolutely quality football. It was really good, especially the fourth goal. It's a little backheel from Connor Townsend and someone laid it on the plate to Dianya. Uh It was actually quite a poor finish, but really good team goal. Were you watching this game, lads? It was hilarious to watch. They were so
1: good. Um a lot of Irish people are saying we'd like to see Callum Robinson do this against um or do this while they're playing for, while he's playing for Ireland. I didn't think he was that bad during the international break. Um but I think for West Brom fans they're probably thinking it'd be nice for Callum Robinson to do this against anyone but Chelsea. Um uh, or anyone as well as Chelsea, because I think he scored five Premier League goals now and they're all against Chelsea. But I think We're it was the
0: start- or Blades fans are on.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I think it was the Diagne goal, which was the fourth one, was particularly just unreal team play from West Brom. Like they built it out from the back and then um, I was a bit peeved off because they got rid of Pereira this week and he scored twice and got an assist. Uh, Yeah, which I think if Thiago Silva doesn't get sent off, I don't think West Brom win that game because Chelsea didn't look particularly, didn't look as suspect. They certainly wouldn't concede five, but again, that's obviously... Having a player less is obviously going to make a big difference. It was just, it was really weird because you never see Sam Allardyce teams play like that ever. It was, it was just, it was just really good football. Um, and I think that's, that was the first time, It was really the second time Chelsea have conceded from open play in the league, this uh, under two shell, and then they conceded five. Um, yeah, I don't really you know. I think it might just be one of those freak results. I can't see Chelsea going on a massive fall off after this. I think it was just. It was a bit of commotion around the training ground, and that I really don't think it's. Um, I don't think there's an underlying big issue there with two children Chelsea. I think it was just a one off West Brom showed up.
2: Yeah, West Brom are now seven or eight points off. Uh, I think Newcastle can they stay up? Can Alice do it again? Can West no. Brom do it again?
3: If Alice DJ is playing that ball every week, anything is possible, but. I think he got quite lucky with Chelsea because uh, as of recording, it is Wednesday evening and it'll be a big game with Atletico. Or not even Atletico, Chelsea knocked the out. Chelsea have been playing Porto. a uh, Big Champions League game. So I think maybe the players' focus is more on that game, but he shouldn't be conceding five goals to West Brom. I know Liverpool conceded to an absolute bullet header, but maybe they were unfortunate with the Thiago Silva red card early on in the game, but yeah, that He's the, the messiah for LeBron. And it would be not, it would, at this stage, it would be nice to see his record of not being relegated to continue. But it's probably quite unlikely.
0: Yeah, irrespective of them being 11 versus 10, like it was serious football from uh, Aladice. Like, uh, you know, that's what you need when you're up against one of these top six teams that have the financial clout that Chelsea do, even if they've got players that are chopping and changing. And, but like, wow, two trillion team selection. I don't care if R- R- Rudiger ripped off Kepa's limbs. You're still starting Rudiger. Thiago, Thiago Silva is a dinosaur, man. He's finished. He, he needs to go to a nursing home in Brazil. You know, he's, he's dust, like, he's dust.
2: Yeah, I think the only reason Rudiger didn't play was because I think he played like 390 minutes on international duty or he only got back on Friday or something like that. But there the was a reason he wasn't playing. Um, next thing I have in the notes honestly I I just have Spurs being bad and to be honest we've had this conversation quite a few times there's nothing that we can add to it so I'm just going to ignore that uh, because yeah Jose is a terrorist that's it Um, so next one I have is actually quite an interesting discussion obviously one that I'm interested in Uh, it's Dean Henderson against De Gea vying for the number one spot at United it seems that Solskjaer has chosen Henderson, in the end. Um, there was some rumors coming out that Solskjaer wanted to do it for a long time, but for some reasons felt he couldn't. Uh, then De Gea having to go back to Spain was really that excuse uh, to to take Dean Henderson because De Gea didn't want that week or two off. Solskjaer insisted that he took it, you know, and spent some time with his family. And now he's just pushed him out of the team. He's used Dean Henderson's good form to pick him. And unless Dean Henderson has a couple of howlers between now and the end of the season, it looks like he probably will be the first choice going forward. So I personally very much agree with this decision. I think De Gea is an absolute disaster when it comes to coming for crosses. There's no doubt that he is a world class shot stopper. But even that has um those type of performances are have been far and few between in the last couple of years. He's constantly spilling Balls into the six-yard box for strikers come into. He doesn't catch any crosses. I feel like Lindelof and Maguire or whoever it is feel they need to compensate by dropping really deep to protect the hair, and then that invites pressure. So I think it's an absolute no-brainer if anyone is willing to take the hair on his massive wages or whatever transfer fee that would command, I would absolutely do it. And it looks like they are doing that. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see if you would agree with
3: that yeah I would sorry James I would tend to agree with that I think that since the World Cup uh, the game against Portugal was the the beginning of the end for a decent career for De Gea he spilled that ball that shot from Ronaldo at the end of the second half at the end of the first half and he probably been quite rattled since there have been many mistakes from him he's not as good as the the player that he was probably like 2016 2017 when he at his best. Uh, one of the arguments one of our friends had in the group chat was oh if you were to put the two of them up in the market one would go to PSG and one would go to Southampton and that's a ridiculous argument De Gea would only go to PSG because he's De Gea and he sell a few shirts uh, he's not a good goalkeeper Henderson he, he's better but he wouldn't be like the a plus sort of goalkeeper you'd expect at United. He's definitely better than De Gea is at the minute. And De Gea, he can go bye bye
0: because he's not good and he can stop crying. Yeah, exactly. There's a contingent of loyal listeners to the pod that just are very much in the De Gea camp. And we have to voice those sort of concerns. You know, he's, every dog has their day. And De Gea was, by all accounts, even your own admission, Connolly, was the best in the world for a number of seasons, you know. And he didn't really achieve anything at that time when he was at his peak, which is unfortunate, but maybe he can go somewhere, win a few trophies, and then, um, again, go to the nursing home, wherever. So, good end for De Gea.
2: Yeah, that's another point that I wanted to bring up about if De Gea was the go-to, let's say he'd go to a PSG, because he would go to a big team because of his name, because of uh, the amount of money that he'd, uh, he would command, and... Um, And I just, that's the one fear I have is that if next season we had Henderson and Nets, Henderson, you know, goalkeepers make mistakes. Henderson would make a couple of errors, there's no doubt about it. And De Gea would be playing in France, keeping clean sheets against, you know, Ajaxio every week. And people would be like, look at Henderson, look at this mug, you know, you should never have sold him. And I feel like that's what will happen um and that would just be absolutely ridiculous. But I feel like that's the narrative that would be thrown out there. And also with Dean Henderson, it's not as if he's not gonna make mistakes. As I said, if he makes any mistakes, the De Gea apologists are gonna be absolutely roasting them. Dean Henderson is not the best goalkeeper in the world, but we've got a rare situation where you've got two two good goalkeepers. De Gea is still good. Um, and we need to decide are we going to stick with the guy who's basically passed it and is about 30 years old, or are we going to actually give this keeper from our youth system a chance? He's not actually from Manchester, but he grew up supporting United. Uh, he's 24, he's very, very good. And if we were to sell him, I feel like we would regret it because he could go on to become a very, very good goalkeeper. So um, I just, if it does happen that we get rid of the hair, I hope people do go a bit easy on Henderson. I know they won't. I know they won't. But I'm talking about United fans.
1: Yeah, it's also this whole thing. It, that tweet was stupid as well. People saying, oh, if we sold Henderson, he'd go to Sheffield or Newcastle or something. That's not true. He's much better than that. Um, he was at Sheffield last year. And the reason he wasn't loaned back out to Sheffield because is because United thought he was good enough to be part of the squad this year. He's obviously better than that. He was one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League last season. And I think it's just... It's just a thing where people get nostalgic about players and they go, oh, well, it's one mistake or it's two mistakes or whatever. Um, it's its like that because if, if Henderson went off and made a few mistakes, everyone would be like, oh, you shit, never sort of sold to Haya. Whereas I think up until this season, really, or last season... A lot of people have seen De Gea make a mistake or two and go like, oh, well it's it's just it's just one or two mistakes. It's when when in reality it's like they're both just good goalkeepers. It's like every player makes mistakes and goalkeepers are more prone to mistakes because they've or or are more prone to have their mistakes noticed because the majority of the time, because of the position they're in, their mistakes lead to goals or they lead to chances. But I definitely think Henderson's better nowadays. You can't take away from De Gea. Like, like you said, he was the best goalkeeper in the world for a while. Um but I think it was the two that stood out to me last year. Were the, the one against Watford and Arsenal. You made two really bad mistakes against them. Um, well, maybe that was the year before. Uh, but I think you have to try Henderson because De Gea hasn't been playing well, and Henderson hasn't been. I think Henderson hasn't really made any mistakes this season. I didn't really make many mistakes last year at Sheffield either. I know he made he made a bad one against Liverpool for the Wayne Alden going to one nil for the most part, Henderson has looked fine. And if you have Day in, the, in there, who's not commanding his box, who's making errors, um, you have to, I feel like you have to give Henderson a chance. And and also a lot of people are making the arguments about uh, the England goalkeeper. People are saying Henderson should start over Pickford. um. So like, he's obviously a better caliber than what people are, like some people make it. I know it's not the majority of people saying the Sheffield and Newcastle stuff. I think it's I think it's just um, a bit of exaggeration on that on that point.
2: Yeah. Uh, ultimately, if unless you lads want to add anything to it, to to basically summarise what my thinking is on it, is that Dean Henderson is he as good a shot stopper as he? Probably not. Is he going to miss make mistakes uh, over the next couple of years if he's first choice? Absolutely. But he is a goalkeeper that you do not have to. Look after almost near as much as De Gea. The defense, they can push higher up because they know they have a keeper who's, you know, well capable of holding his own in terms of coming and collecting crosses, uh, commanding the area. He's very, very vocal. Obviously, it's something that's quite difficult to argue for because, you know, we're not there every week, you know, listen to them. Even with empty stadiums, it's quite difficult to make it anything. But he's very, very vocal. And I think that adds something. And basically, Harry Maguire and Lindelof don't have to worry anywhere near as much about what's going on behind them. And I think I've seen that over the last few weeks. United's defence has looked a lot better, a lot calmer, because they don't have to worry about the goalkeeper. You know, Dean Henderson knows what he's doing. And uh, yeah, I'd very much look forward to him being the number one goalkeeper, which it looks like it is. If he makes a couple of howlers and he looks awful, I'm still not fully convinced about its distribution Um, look maybe maybe we'll persist with to here i'm not sure but at the moment it looks like we won't but moving on to the next segment of the podcast we were supposed to record this yesterday before all the european ties obviously we had uh, man city against dortmund and liverpool against real so that may alter some of our predictions in terms of who's going to go through but it's at the quarterfinal stage in both the champions league and the europa league and as such, we've got brackets now. So we know the uh, direct route to the final for whoever will get to the final. And that's what we're going to be predicting now. So, first of all, we'll start with the Champions League. Before last night, I probably would have said Liverpool. I'm going to change that now. I'm going to go Real Madrid. I think they'll see it out. Um, so, And then turn Man City Dortmund. I just have a weird feeling that Dortmund are going to sneak through in that tie. They weigh a goal. All all, all the need is a, a one 0 win back in Germany. I think City City will will battle it. Essentially, I think Dortmund will pull off a shock. Am I am I wrong for saying that? Is that ludicrous? i nah, mate. it be
0: just as after the Bellingham goal is overruled, absolutely disgraceful. from Ederson, I hate Ederson. It's just he's so he invites this on himself when someone just needs to do a man. I and like him. kick him in the face <laughs> again. You know,
1: it's it's also with the squads that he have. Th- they just, I never fancy them in the Champions League because they've never, considering how good they've been for the last maybe four or five years, I think the furthest they made is the quarterfinal in, oh Jesus, was it 2014? I can't remember. They made
3: it the semi-final one year. Yeah, year
1: 20, you know, was, yeah, I think that was 2014. Um, I don't think they made it past the quarterfinal on the prep. This is the best chance, they, well actually last year was the best chance they had. Um, Nobody ever would have said Leon would have beaten them last year, but they did. Um, so I don't think it's it's mad to think City might not win. But I do think they will win. Yeah, I'm also under the
3: impression that City would win. Now, I would love Dortmund to go through, but yeah, it's just the powerhouse of City. They're looking for the quadruple. This is the one trophy that's eluded Pep in his time at City. And he's hungry for it. Although they do, if they were to progress, they would have a quite a difficult side of the draw with Bayern or PSG. And it'll probably be Bayern. So that could be Pep against his old club or got a German uh, semi-final. But yeah, I think City City get through. They definitely will score in Dortmund. I don't think it's like, will they? Or if it's they are going to score in Dortmund. It's just how many more can Dortmund score? Because obviously they have Holland. And Sancho, well, did Sancho play last night? I don't think he did. Yeah, but Haaland, he's yep. just in danger. City ought to have many, many threats, which is very scary as uh, an opponent.
1: In fairness, yeah. I was just on that point that it's eluded Pep See, It's eluded him for... A, he didn't win at Bayern either. He hasn't won it since um, 2011. It's been 10 years since Pep's last Champions League, and... I think he's lost at the quarter-final stage with City every year, and he lost at the semi-final stage with Bayern every season. He was there as well. It's the Champions League, you have harder opponents, but it's it, it's definitely one he'll be desperate to win as well now, because he's, he's, he's gone close a number of times since he left Barcelona. And he also wants to prove that he can do it without Messi and the boys. It'll mean a lot to him, because...
2: He's widely regarded over the last few years as probably being the best manager in the world. Maybe Klopp's um, changed one or two people's minds over the last couple of years, but uh, obviously a massive massive name manager over the last few years, so he's going to want to win his first Champions League in 10 years. Um, so, as I said, I have Real going through against Liverpool. I have Dortmund pulling off a shock against City uh, in terms of Premier League and the Premier League podcast. I have Chelsea to get past Porto. I don't give Porto much of a chance. And then I have... Bayern to beat PSG, but although that one is, for me is very tight. That one's very hard to call. So that would mean a dark classicar semi final in the Champions League. Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I would have Borussia Dortmund uh, to lose that. Bayern Munich would go through. I'd I'm actually go and pick Chelsea to shock Real Madrid and get to the Champions League final in Istanbul. So the final from my, for me, in my opinion, is Bayern Munich against Chelsea. Repeat of the 2012 final and uh, no shock here. Bayern Munich to win for me. Who do you have winning in your
0: brackets? I've gone bracket for bracket with you there, but in the final, I'm going to go for a Chelsea win just because it fits the team over in our ma- uh, narrative. Imagine that he does his ACL running through for goal, but it like comes off his shin or something and he scores it and he's limping off the finish. Like it would be magical. It would be. Poetic, really, so yeah, that's what I'm going to happen, you know. But we don't get what we want in this life,
1: so uh, maybe you're right. I'm going to go very boring and say it's going to end up as a Bayern Real final, and that Bayern are going to win, um, because they are just very, very good at football.
3: Uh, I'm going to go against all of yous, and I'm going to think Liverpool come back. Uh, I'd probably sound a bit delusional, like many a Liverpool fan that's You might hear. Uh, So Liverpool, Chelsea, first semi-final. And then City, Bayern. Then City to go through to the final. And then Liverpool in the final. Istanbul again. If that was to happen, I don't know how I'd be able to watch that game. Because it would just be so tense and awful. But Liverpool are going to win the Champions League. We're back in Istanbul. It's coming home. (laughs) This is going to age very badly, but... No, know. there's I'm a quietly a,
2: confident tongue in cheek about it. I don't know, maybe, maybe there isn't. Maybe you are that, uh, you have that hubris of mind confidence. Uh, so moving on to the Europa League, which involves two Premier teams, United and Arsenal. So, on one side of the bracket, um you've got United against Granada and Roma against Ajax. I was looking up about Granada, and um, there are a couple of places below Sociedad who dispatched up fairly comfortably. Um, they're eighth or ninth in La Liga, which isn't too bad. But I think they've got the joint worst defence in La Liga. Um, they're I think they're more so of an counter attacking team. So I don't think United will blow them away or anything. But I'd be very disappointed if United weren't able to get past Granada. Uh, then Roma against Ajax. Uh, I think Roma have been pretty poor this season by all accounts. So I'd have Ajax winning that, meaning United Ajax semi final. Other side of the draw. Uh, Arsenal, I, I just have absolutely no hopes on. I think Slavia Prague are going to be able to pull off. I don't even know if it we'll would be an upset, to be honest. But I have Slavia Prague going through, uh, and Villarreal to beat Zagreb because Zagreb will just everything came together in that tie against Spurs. I don't think they're that good, uh, and uh, I would have, I'd have to back United in the semi final. United will be Ajax. Villarreal will beat Slavia Prague. And United will beat Villarreal in the final, although their manager is Unai Emery. That man loves a Europa League title win, so we'd have to be careful in that final, I think. Um, any disagreements there, lads?
1: Um, I don't know any of the teams, really, other the United and Arsenal. Um, I'm just going to go out and say it's going to be an Arsenal-United final, and Arsenal's miserable season is going to come to a miserable end and get absolutely spanked by United in the final.
0: Yeah, and I think United play Roma in the semi final. I don't think they play Ajax. You know, I think Roma will just do something. So, so I'd have an
3: Arsenal Villarreal semi final. It'd be so good evening for Unai Emery. He dispatches of Arsenal, and then I'd have a Roma United semi final because you uh, Roma they're not having a great season. They're kind of mid table in the Serie A, so United beating them. Then it's good evening again for Unai Emery and Parejo and the men. They go marching on and they win the Europa League.
2: Yeah, that's something that they didn't actually clock that you could have an Arsenal Villarreal semi final Unai Emory at the Emirates. C- could embarrass them. That would be absolutely brilliant. Although that would be unbelievable. Uh, but I put up a poll there on the Instagram there yesterday. And uh, yeah, no, the bulk of the listeners do have Slavia Prague to beat Arsenal. I think it was five for Slavia Prague and three for for Arsenal, so fairly tight, obviously, Um, but as a United fan, is winning the Europa League, the be-all and end-all, no, because we're in the Champions League, next season, that's what it was, the last time, it was so crucial, under Mourinho, that we were in the Champions League, the next season, so it was so important, we won it, but also, it's been four years, since we won a trophy, that was the last one, the last time, that we won a trophy, so, look, as Solskjaer says, it's probably more of an ego thing, but, look, I'd, I'd love a trophy, we've been in, numerous semifinals under Solskjaer we well, need to get that monkey off her back get a trophy and that would uh, would absolutely give Solskjaer some credit in the bank for any potential doubters it's largely United fans United fan base can be a bit weird
1: I was going to say that about Solskjaer as well Like he's had lost two semifinals last year and he's, he's in three. lost three semifinals last year and lost um, one this year quarter final against Leicester so Look, I hate saying this as a Liverpool fan, but I actually, I kind of like the guy. He's he's not a, a dislikable character, and for his own sake, I don't want United to win it, obviously, but I do think they will. And for his own sake, just getting to a final, uh, doesn't even have to win the final, but just proving he can actually get to a final would be huge for him as well, I think.
0: Now, I think given the opposition, getting to the final is absolutely nothing. Uh, he needs to win it. It's Europa League, like... Um... Not that like not that that's a given. It's gonna be really hard to win a final against Arteta's Arsenal or Unai Emery, but you uh, should be winning it. you should be winning it. And like you said, it's... going getting the monkey mm-hmm. off the back, it is difficult. But yeah, the semi final is the more difficult one for me because Ajax Roma. That
2: is the slightly trickier side of the draw. You know, as opposed to Arsenal, who have you know Villarreal, maybe not much use, and Zagreb, who would be quite easy. So if we get over the semi-final, I would back us to win the final. Although against Arsenal, we've been very bad under Solskjaer. So that is one thing. We haven't met them. For, they just have our number for some reason. They just sit back and counter uh, and don't allow us to, to win, basically. So moving on to the Predictions League, in which we predict games every week. Uh, the winner will get a jersey, courtesy of the other three podcast hosts. And... Um, wasn't a great week for anyone in particular. I think I had the best week. I'm one point off James now. I'm in 76, James on 77. Nick, so you're on 68, so not a million miles behind. And Roland, you're on 63, so probably unlikely you'll win it at this stage. You're 14 points behind James. But look, that's the magic of the Predictor League. So the games that we're predicting this week, quite decent games this week. The first one is City at Home to Leeds. I picked this one because it's to be entertaining, although I don't give Leeds much of a chance, I think uh, City will basically wipe the floor with them. Maybe Leeds will get a lucky goal, so four-one to City at the Etihad.
1: Um, I think Pep Pep rotation he's probably going to rest a few players, especially with how close that Champions League tie is with Dortmund. Uh, so I don't think City are going to walk over Leeds, but I do think they're still going to get the win. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say two-one. Similar thinking to Ronan.
0: I'm just going to say 2-0. pretty comfortable. City win. Leeds. Leeds aren't going to really touch them or lay a glove on them this game. If you're a Leeds fan, don't even bother watching
3: this game because it's going to be a massacre. 7-0 Man City. They're going
2: to annihilate Leeds. No holding back, Michael. Good to see that you haven't changed. Uh, the next game is Liverpool at home to Aston Villa. Um, I just see a 0-0 in this one. Both... Teams, well, no, living in fairness, I was going to say Liverpool's league campaigns going nowhere. They do have a chance of getting top four. Um, but for me, I think it's just a nil nil. Villa's defence is usually solid enough, who you know, obviously quite good against Arsenal, but still haven't really got it going very consistently. So, nil nil, in my opinion.
1: I'm going for it to nil because, especially the fact. We did so poorly against Real Madrid. I would probably get knocked out. We pretty much need to win all of our Premier League games from here or in. Um Also, we kind of need to actually get a win at Anfield for once. So, yeah, I, I don't really know, but I'm, I'm going to be hopeful in saying tune in Liverpool. I'm going to be hopeful also in saying one nil Liverpool.
0: Um... Don't care who gets the goal. We do need pretty much win most, if not all, of our games to render the season then to secure top four. Because Chelsea are going to get back in gear, so it's going to put the pressure on. But again, it's a bit of a tight call because people like Cash and Grealish. Is Grealish back for this game? He's back so, training, yeah, anyways. So that's 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 a bad sign. But look, one nil.
3: The reverse of this fixture, the one early on in the season, I predicted. Quite a substantial Liverpool win And it was one of the strangest results In Premier League history with Villa Winning 7-2 So Like I know we have the game against Madrid But I think after that game will be a bit of a kick up the arse And I know we haven't been great at Anfield But I still see us winning this one Although not by much I'll have to agree with James with the 1-0 also
2: Interesting that none of us back Villa To score at Anfield next game is definitely not a good game and will certainly not be one that I'm going to watch Burnley at home to Newcastle I was going to go for a nil-nil because that's kind of the running joke in this Prediction League any time there's a press a match like this we'll say nil-nil uh, but the only thing more depressing than this match is the fact that Newcastle are in it they are awful Burnley are a little bit less awful 1-0 Burnley
1: should Newcastle get mentioned twice on this podcast this week because uh, that never happens. I'm going to go for a three-one Burnley win because they've actually seemed to be all right going forward. Um, but they seem pretty. They, actually, it was weird against Southampton at the weekend because they looked poor going defensively, but they looked very good going forward. Yeah. Every time we talk about Newcastle, they're just pretty miserable, and I think Burnley are just it's a Sean Dyche Burnley squad. They're, they're gonna. They're good enough to be teams like this when they need points so yeah did they score 3-1 Barney
0: I think better things are on the horizon for Newcastle that horizon might be the championship but uh, (laughs) ASM is back soon so uh, I'm going to say there's going to be goals in this game it's going to be a 2 all score draw Uh, Steve Bruce he's not going to be back uh, writing the crime novels just yet so we'll have to wait and see on that one but yeah 2-2 in this game
3: He's not going to be writing the crime novels. He's going to be in the kebab shop and the smelly one at that because it stinks of a nil all. It's a nil nil this.
2: <laughs> I was disappointed. I thought nobody was going to say a nil nil. But Mixer, you've saved it. You've come up big for the podcast like you do every week. What a man. Next game is an awful lot better uh, in terms of sectation even though West Ham maybe don't play the best football. But it's big in the race for top four for both teams, particularly West Ham. West Ham at home to Leicester. I think this will be 1-1 because it seems like every week I predict these teams to not win even though they've been really good this season. So uh, I'm going to keep consistent with that and say neither will win 1-1 at
1: London Stadium. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Lingard's the best footballer in the world at the minute. But Leicester, I don't yeah. I don't want to go one-one as well. I'm going to go three-all because Leicester will be scoring a fair few, and West Ham have also been scoring a fair few. I don't really have much opinions on either team that I can over elaborate on that.
0: Um, both teams are in good form. As the notes, like that Lingard solo goal is absolutely exceptional. So I'm going to go for a three-two Leicester win, though there are going to be goals in this game, as Rowan said. Um Kelechi, I need him to get a goal. He's having a bit of a drought, you know, gone one game without a goal. Needs to sort it. Uh, obviously, Madison's back, which is huge for Leicester. So that's why I'm I'm quietly confident that uh, they will get the goals back. So uh, yeah, three two. I
3: think the j Ling's Road Show will continue in this one. He'll come up with a goal, but unfortunately, it will not help West Ham get the dub. I think Leicester will edge this one two one.
2: And the last game that we're going to predict is maybe not quite a blockbuster tie, but um, a big name game on the half for the main slot in Sky Sports. Spurs are home to United. I'm not really sure how to feel about this one. I've been chatting shit about Spurs pretty much all season, even, even when they were doing quite well to start the season. And I've been largely content with how United have been doing. But I think Jose is not going to change for this one and for good reason his team are going to sit back, look to counter against United, look to make sure United can't score. Uh, but, uh, and United maybe will be wary of this and will be wary of their threatening the counter and won't go gung-ho trying to score. So, it's going to predict a nil-nil, but I can't trust either of these two teams' defences, really. So, 1-1. Yeah,
1: I certainly don't think we're really getting the, the Spurs 6-1 that we got last time. Uh, Oh, jeez, I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't want to watch this because Spurs are just horrible to watch. As I meant, they're funny, but like their games aren't entertaining. Like I watched the game against Newcastle the weekend. And it was a two-all draw. that I didn't particularly enjoy. Oh, I just gonna say United you know, you three-one because I just, I just Spurs are depressing. I'm gonna say two-one Spurs.
0: Joe Roden's gonna get a goal. Uh, no, he's not. Um Son got. Forty five minutes during the week, so he's going to be well rested for this game. Um, yeah, it's not going to be a great watch this, but it's still not going to mean anything for United's top four hopes. They're still going to comfortably finish second, I think. But uh, yeah, it's just going to be a bit of a shock to the system as uh, we get closer to the run in.
3: I think Mourinho's is going to have an encounter with Joe in this game, and Ollie is gonna he's going to be the master tactician in this one. Three one,
2: United. Well, I'd certainly take that result, Ali rocking up, giving Jose a pat on the head. Uh, could be the other way around. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that just about brings uh, the end to this week's podcast. I did neglect to mention at the start of the show that you are listening to the 139th most popular football podcast in Ireland. So 139th most popular football podcast in Ireland you'll never sing that we're ahead of the likes of Melissa Reddy I think there's one of the athletic ones we're ahead of so um they are merely dirt in our shoe we are the big dogs in the podcast game and as such to celebrate such a feat we could have a special announcement next week mixer am I hearing this right are my sources correct uh,
3: yeah, we're on the phone to all the football agents and if you keep an eye on our socials over the next couple of weeks we might be stringing up an elf giveaway so keep an eye on the Instagram keep an eye on the Twitter and keep listening to us we'll give any sort of details about the competition in the next couple of weeks so just keep a lookout and you might be a potential lucky winner of a lovely prize
2: So if you tune back into next week's show hopefully we will be able to announce what the competition will be possibly on this podcast but certainly keep an eye on Twitter and Instagram and whatever post we put up whatever tweet uh, it will clearly set out uh, what you need to do to win the competition so thanks very much for listening to the 139th most popular football podcast in Ireland that really rolls off the tongue and hopefully you'll be back next week